Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It's Two Dudes in a Kitchen with Tyler Florence and Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. Well, everybody, welcome to Two Dudes in a Kitchen. I'm Wells Adams alongside Tyler Florence. How are you, man? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, today's episode's all about being a foodie. The definition of a foodie is a person who has an interest in food and who eats food not only out of hunger, but also out of hobby. I feel like that's everybody. Uh, how do you see the foodie world? Well, I, I think if you're a foodie, you know it, right? Because it, it's something that you think about all the time. It's something that you talk about all the time. It's something you research, you look up, uh, going to restaurants and not only the city that you live in, but when you travel it is sport. You know, you don't do it casually, but you have lists that you share with people. And and eating is something that you look forward to and, and cooking is something that you're entertained with. Then I, I think if you're a foodie, you know you're a foodie, right? And, and so I think there's like a foodie light. And then it's like sometimes you get like prosumer foodies. And our guest today, uh, Dan Pashman, is definitely a prosumer foodie for sure. This yeah. guy's like next level smart. Um, but, uh, you know, w- w- listen, um, I, people walk up to me all the time. And, and those are our those are our fans, man. Those are the folks who listen, listen to this podcast for sure. How do you feel about foodies coming into your restaurant and like taking a million pictures of your food for social media? It, it's the best thing ever. Because as a guy who you know not only runs the restaurants but also runs our social media division too, like it, it's it's a self basting mechanism, mm-hmm. you know. So when these people post, I just repost, and you know their story gives our story legitimacy, and and you know it, it's so much great original content when it comes from so many interesting people, so many different POVs on you know that same steak or that same Caesar salad that's coming out of the kitchen. So I I think it's fun and I think it's great. You know, th- it can get a little bit overkill. I, I I would recommend if you're in a restaurant and the lighting set at a specific level, you don't necessarily need to turn your uh flashlight on 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 your phone to take a picture. Um sometimes people do that. It can be a little bit much. Um but when food comes out, I mean do you take pictures of your food before you eat it? No. I don't. I mean, I, I think I did at some point, but now it's, yeah. I don't unless I'm at like a Michelin star situation where yeah. I know that 
people will get a kick out of the fact that I'm eating at this place, you know? Well, well, foodies take pictures of everything before they eat it because yeah. Instagram eats first. Yeah, I know. You know, they take out, they take out the camera and they, 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 they're really good at creating very specific angles and they're looking oh, for yeah. very specific light. And then they turn that into reels later. And that's part of their persona. And, you know, that that's a, a legion of, you know, so many great people out there that love food. Real quick, top five foodie cities in the U.S. Uh, Los Angeles, for sure. Uh, New York, Great. for sure. Miami, yeah. um, Chicago, um, San Francisco. Can't forget that. That's five right there. There again, that's it. Yeah, not that there's not a million more because I think there's great restaurants everywhere. And also you know, the, the social media, you know, sort of like mega storm of sharing ideas back and forth. Um, it's created what I think is the best generation of chefs in America. You know, because totally. when I was a kid, I'm 52 years old. So when I was when I was 25, right? You'd have to fly from San Francisco, or fly from like New York to San Francisco, get a reservation for French Laundry. You know, uh, uh, you know, take pictures with a camera. You know, put that on your laptop. Take that back to your staff and in your and your kitchen. Show them what people are doing out on the West Coast. But now chefs are sharing ideas back and forth, and you can almost see what they're posting as specials every single night. So I think the idea of like you know uh, creating great content and foodie sharing great content has produced better chefs because just more information out. Totally. Okay, we did the top five cities in the United States. What about five foodie? countries Ooh, um you know so i i think america has like a really interesting diverse palette with so many great stuff i grew up in the south which i think is like really authentic american food you know like like fried chicken and barbecue and grits and i i think that stuff is distinctive because you just can't get it anywhere else in the world right um and i i think that the the hybrid cultures of food that kind of pops up you know it's like in new orleans an amazing place so i love america i think it's i think it's very very cool um that being said every time i feel like i need to like fill up my gas tank and like spiritually it's either italy or france and i'm, mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan i've been all over both countries extensively and so i think those are amazing places spain Spain is is uh, is is uh, you know such a, um, a spectacular destination and journey if you're looking for really authentic food experiences. Uh, Japan is probably the best. I mean, Japan is probably you know like it, it in China. Like if you get into China, I mean, I've traveled all over the world so and had food everywhere. And so I to me, I the, the weirder the better. I've never been to India, so I'm dying to go check that out. Uh, and I think probably some of it's a little closer to home. The UK has fantastic restaurants now. So I think that's also a great foodie destination too. Uh, you almost can't lose, you know? I mean, like, I don't, like you can name a country that doesn't have an interesting food perspective. Like, you know what I mean? Like what would be boring? Antarctica? You know, I, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, is, is there like, uh, maybe they eat seal. I don't know. Like maybe yeah. they're eating pelican, you know, like penguins. I don't know what, whatever they do, <laughs> but um, you know, who knows? I, I, I'd jump into that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's like so many great places to do. And and, and foodies out there um, are such a, like, a, like I said, a legion of, of, uh, you know, people that are like-minded that like other foodies. They like to hang out with foodies. Um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of fun. We should come up with like a two dudes badge for foodies that you can put on, like on your, on your, on your, uh, Instagram page or something like that. I like you know? that. Like if you're a real foodie, like you yeah. listen to dudes in the kitchen. It's like a, it's like the blue check mark, but like it's a cheeseburger or something like yeah, that. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a two dudes seal of approval. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of foodies, we're about to have one on the show. It's a guy who's been talking about food for a long time. He's won 
many awards because of food. He's created his own food. Uh, coming up on Two Dudes in the Kitchen, it's Dan Pashman, and he's here right after the break. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. All right, welcome back to Two Dudes in the Kitchen. Today's guest is Dan Pashman. He is a two-time James Beard award-winning creator and host. He's made his own type of pasta, I think. This guy's done everything. Dan Pashman, how are you, bud? I'm good, Wells. How are you? I'm doing amazing, man. I uh, I love that you're like in like a true radio studio because I was a radio host back in the day. I want to know, like, how did you get into all of this? Yes, I mean, radio is my background. I'm, I'm not a chef, I should say. I love to eat. But mm -hmm. uh, my dream when I came out of college was I wanted to host my own radio show. That was before podcasting even existed. Yeah. And uh, I got a lot of jobs as a producer and a lot of radio shows. And the radio shows kept getting canceled. Uh, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. It happened to me, too. <laughs> All too well. And then, um, <laughs> you know, so podcasting was starting up. And, and I, you know, friends of mine on radio were starting them. And I figured, well, if I start my own podcast, at least no one can cancel it but me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, what should my podcast be about, though, was my next thought. And um, I love to eat. I thought I had a sort of idiosyncratic approach to food and eating. Again, I'm not a chef. I don't have a restaurant. You know, I'm not going to talk recipes, but I will nerd out on the best way to layer the components of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich all day long. So that was the podcast uh, when I launched The Sporkful in its early days. That's what it was. Uh, but it, it's changed and evolved over the years. We've gotten into more long-form storytelling. We've gotten into used food to get into all kinds of issues of of culture, identity, history, science, economics. I mean, there's almost nothing you can't do when you start with food. But I do still love a good debate about PB&J. I, I think there's a thousand ways you could take that. I mean, there's like, you know, crust, no crust, right? Uh, whole wheat versus white bread. <laughs> mm -hmm. Are we talking about strawberry versus grape? Or, and then then you got the peanut butter. Are we talking about smooth versus, versus crunchier? That's right. I mean, we could yeah. be here all day, Tyler. But what order do you layer the components in? Which goes on bottom and top? Uh, peanut butter and bomb jam on top. Why? Because I, I think that the jam needs a place to kind of mush into. Now, this is going to be controversial, mm. but I actually like it. Jelly, peanut butter, jelly. Ooh. 
you double jelly. Yes. Well, no, no, no. Same quantity of jelly, just half on the bottom and half on top. A thin layer on each side, because I think that you don't want the peanut butter on top because it gets stuck in the roof of your mouth. You put the jelly on the bottom, it gets, it's closer to your tongue. It accentuates the sweet flavors. And then you get the peanut butter in the middle. It's kind of like the meat of the sandwich. Whoa. Do you like chunky peanut butter? I, I love chunky peanut butter. Yes. Uh, I, I like them both, uh, you know, but it depends on my mood, really, and what's in the fridge. But I do love chunky. What about you, Wells? Like, what, you, you like chunky peanut butter? No, uh, I like I, I like smooth, creamy. Uh, but uh, here's my question. Is it a diagonal cut or right down the middle cut? Diagonal. You got to go corner. To corner. It's got to be diagonal. Yeah. Gotta, yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not animals. It's also more food. It's science. You, yeah, it's right. bigger. Yeah, it's a bigger right. sandwich if you go diagonal. But I think the, the, a more controversial question is when you have that half sandwich, that's a triangle. Uh huh. Do you take the first bite into the hypotenuse, the, the center, middle, juiciest part, or do you bite into an edge, acute angle? Yeah, acute no, angle. You, you, you go in the corner. Oh, you got to. I go, go, I, go, I go straight in the middle, like like a lion on the Serengeti. What are you? <laughs> All face, Communist? no hands. You can't do it that way. It. Yeah, like I've just taken down a gazelle. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I just eat it with my face, and I. But I, I gotta say, I really, really love peanut butter and jelly because, like, there's, there's so many. I mean, it could be basic, it could be like really kind of extraordinary too. Because we, you know, at uh, my restaurant um, Miller and Lux in San Francisco, uh, we're at the Chase Center, home of the Golden State Warriors. We also cater uh, the visiting basketball team's locker room every home game, and our peanut butter jelly sandwich is one thing that's become legendary inside NBA catering. And I think we make a good one. I think it's that's. Really there was a the whole thing about PB and J and NBA locker rooms. That, that must have been you. Well, they, they they really love it. They asked for it, but you know, we had like two or three teams ask specifically because you know the funny thing about like NBA players, they're most of them are kids. They're like 19, 20, and they really kind of like homemade food and, and they really like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So our pastry chef makes like an exquisite, you know, organic strawberry jam from scratch. Uh, with like Meyer lemon and Hawaiian vanilla. Oh it's my just, god! Yeah, it's just, and it's chilled and it's like a little tacky and it's, it has like that, that fresh lemon flavor to it. And mm. uh, although we don't make peanut butter from scratch, we do buy a really nice artisanal crunchy peanut butter wells. Sorry, is what it is. Not it. It is what it is. But uh, but I gotta tell you, I, I really I really love one. And also, you know, my wife did for uh, my birthday last year, which because she's so thoughtful, she got me like like 10 different you know i am a peanut butter freak freak she got me like 10 different styles of super gourmet peanut butter and a lot of them was like walnut butter and mm. almond butter and uh sunflower seed butter and some are like smashed with like oreo cookies i'm like you can get really crazy with that too it sounds nice there's some really good ones i, I love uh person uh, near me makes um cashew butter with sh uh, shaved coconut in it all day long, does that really sound? nice? Yeah. Well, it's like give me most like give me smooth, skippy, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've done like fifteen minutes on peanut butter, and I didn't even think we were going to be talking about peanut butter and jelly. I thought we were going to be talking about pasta. Yeah. I know you're a big pasta guy, and maybe unhappy with the current shapes of pasta. Tell us how you got into this whole pasta craze. Yeah, so you know, after a few years of doing the Sporkful podcast, I wanted to do something sort of big and ambitious with the show. I said, you know, I want to tell a big, epic, multi-part story. And I thought, what if I set out to invent a food? Because to be honest, I always had this sort of like inferiority complex. Like I'm a food podcaster. I've even like won a James Beard Award. And I'm not a chef. I'm a decent home cook. But like, do I really know what I'm talking about? Do I know anything? Are any of my opinions worthwhile? 
And I thought, well, if I set out to invent a food and if it was actually good, then maybe that would help answer that question I had within myself. And so I decided I want I decided to invent a new shape of pasta because I felt first in general, I wanted a food that was like shelf stable, inexpensive, universally beloved. So I could send it to sporkful listeners all over the country. Everyone could participate. But pasta in particular, because I feel like there's a lot of mediocre pasta shapes out there. You know, like a lot of them were created a very long time ago and nobody thought to see if they could come up with something better. Um, and so I spent three years researching pasta. I went to North Dakota, to the North to the pasta lab at North Dakota State University, where most of the wheat for pasta made in America comes from North Dakota. I learned about I learned about pasta dyes. I went and found the only pasta dye designer and manufacturer still working in America today. And it took three years. Um, I came up with these three criteria that I used to evaluate all pasta shapes. So there's forkability. How easy is it to get it on your fork and keep it there? Okay. There's sauceability. How well does the sauce adhere? And then there's tooth sinkability. How satisfying is it to sink your teeth into it? And I felt like a lot of the shapes out there, maybe they're good at one or two of those things. Very few of them nail all three. After three years of a lot of research and development and failure, frankly, and my wife telling me what a terrible idea it was, <laughs> uh, I launched a shape called Cascatelli. It's a short shape that has these two parallel ruffles that stick up and it, the, the sort of canyon between the ruffles I call the sauce trough and it holds tons and tons of sauce in there. It's made by this artisanal company in upstate New York called Sfolini. They make really high quality pastas and it launched just about two years ago and went absolutely bananas, like beyond my wildest dreams, like everywhere from NPR and the New York Times to today's show and CBS This Morning and Access Hollywood and it, it was on Time Magazine's list of the best inventions of 2021. Um, and it's now like in stores all across the country. I just teamed up with Sfolini to launch a couple of more new shapes that are, I didn't invent these, they're obscure Italian shapes that I brought, you know, brought dusted the cobwebs off. But um, it's been a trip, man. The, this, uh, the Cascatelli's now, it's in uh, 1200 Walmarts. It's in uh, coming to Whole Foods nationwide. So it's been, been a lot, of, it's been crazy. Yeah. Well, good for you, man. I, I think, you know, reinventing something that has universal appeal, I think that's a great place to start. I think this sounds like there's lots of like, why, you know, because you know, when, when you make a food product, like that's the first thing I'm like, why am I going to grab this, right? Versus everything else. And I think it sounds really fun, man. That's cool. Three years of R&D. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it was uh, a long time, you know, doing the podcast on the side too, but yeah. Uh, Involved eating a lot of pasta, which my kids did not complain about. Uh, they were on board of the project from the beginning, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was ordering every obscure shape I could find online, going to specialty stores, and trying to isolate variables and say, like, well, what do I want, long or short? Do I like ruffles or ridges, tubes or flat? And I tried to isolate, you know, different components and and then reassemble them in a new way. I was very inspired by Mafalda. You may know that shape or Mafaldina. It's like a fettuccine but with ruffles down the edges. Uh, yeah. You could also think of it like a very narrow lasagna. Very um, Yeah. I, I like that shape. It's so much fun. It's great. Yeah. But what I learned when I ate that is I was like, like more shapes should have ruffles Yeah, because they hold. So everyone wants to use a tube to hold sauce and that's pretty good. But ruffles hold sauce very well. They hold little bits and pieces and they're also just like fun in your mouth. They're very playful and there aren't that many shapes that have them. So I said, my shape must have ruffles. So Cascatelli has ruffles. What is the best sauce for your for your pasta? I mean, you know, to me, I think this is an issue. The whole like pairings. Yes, there is some wisdom to the sauces and the shapes that are typically paired together. But to me, 
some of that is a little tied up in like lore, folklore and tradition and uh, a certain region of Italy where they have these ingredients, they make that sauce and then whatever shape they happen to have, that's what gets paired. I think a really great pasta shape should be good with like 75% of the things you could put on it. Yeah, I, I don't think that you could make a shape that would go great with everything, but I wanted a shape that would go well with a wide range of things. So that was my goal. So I think the cascatelli goes really well with anything thick and creamy that's going to stick inside those ruffles. Anything with a lot of bits and pieces, like a meat sauce, any kind of bolognese. Um, and then anything with big chunks where you're going to be stabbing a bite. So you're going to have your fork, you're going to stab a chunk, stab a shrimp, stab a zucchini, whatever it may be, and stab a piece of pasta. You want that pasta to be thick and too sinkable so that it will stay on your fork and stand up to those other big chunks that are going to be in the same bite. Ooh. Stab and grab it. You want to stab it? <laughs> oh, I like that. I yeah. wasn't familiar with that term. I'll, I'm going to use that now. So what kind of flour are you using in, in the pasta itself? Because is it double zero at that scale or what? It's, you know, honestly, like the, the guys at Fellini can answer better than I can. I know that it's, um I believe they were using, sem actually, semolina number one. Okay. Is that different from double zero? It, it, that, that's a great pasta it, uh, flour. It probably is. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's from North Dakota. I mean, these guys at Fellini, like they're doing, they, you know, the pasta costs about five bucks for a box, which, you know, to me, great pasta is like an affordable luxury uh, for most people. And, um, you know, I think you really taste the difference when you spend a couple extra dollars on it. Um, and so they're, they're getting the, you know, the the semolina from North Dakota, the really high quality stuff. But, you know, it's not just about the type of flour you use. It's also about the the grind. If you have a very finely ground semolina, it's going to get oxidized. You're going to lose a lot of the volatile compounds. You're going to lose a lot of the flavor and aroma before it gets into the pasta and gets into your mouth. But that more powdery semolina is cheaper. It's easier to work with. So the industrial producers prefer it. If you have a coarse grind in your semolina, more of the natural flavor of the wheat stays in that grain and it stays, and stays into your pasta and makes it all the way into your mouth, which is where you want it. Mm -hmm. um, and so to me, that the the size of the of the grind on the semolina was just as important as the type of semolina itself. Fascinating. Man, you know a lot about pasta for a guy that's a radio host. I I, I, I mean, I learned I learned uh, trial by fire. You know, uh, I, now I, I could I could talk to you for much too long about how ruffles are how dough is pressed through a dye to make ruffles. It's much more complicated than I would have guessed. <laughs> yeah. So now that you've you've created this new food, is the imposter syndrome gone of um, whether or not you're a chef or not? That's a good question. You know, I, I guess to some degree, yes, I probably do feel more confident. It's moments like this where I start blathering on and someone says, oh, you actually know a lot about this. And I'm like, oh, I guess maybe I do. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I think when you're an ambitious person, whatever it is that you're doing in life, uh, you know, you, you it, it's always a challenge to find the balance between like, um, you know, you, you do something and it's successful and it, it's very, you know, it's easy to quickly be like, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And you have to remind yourself to stop and be like, oh, but actually I just did something good. And I, it's okay to take a minute and like feel happy about that and feel proud. And so, you know, I always struggle with finding that balance on one hand i don't want to lose my ambition and become complacent um yeah. on the other hand i don't want to be so focused on the next thing that i don't appreciate the successful things i've done so the next big project now is that i'm, I'm working on a cookbook of all different pasta sauces that's going to come out in about a year so now that's what i have my imposter syndrome about i'm like do i really deserve to be writing a cookbook <laughs> we'll find out <laughs> let that be your thing man let that be your thing daniel balud had um a really thoughtful 
uh, Instagram post this past weekend because he was, um, you know, at, at Danielle in New York and he was in the kitchen and he was making his uh, famous uh, sea bass on papillette, which is kind of wrapped in, in potato. And, and, and this is one of his classic dishes from the 90s. And, and he said, you don't have to come up with 5,000 dishes. You just have to come up with five the people that will never forget. Right. And I thought that was so interesting because it, you don't have to be you know, great at everything or sort of have this sort of, you know, wild ADD that you have to kind of keep uh, moving on to the next thing. You have to do one thing really, really well. Let that sink in and let everybody just fall in love with it. That's so interesting. That That's actually very wise. I, I remember uh, it, it reminds me of like a, a convert. I saw Lionel Richie interviewed and he was talking about talking to Frank Sinatra. And Sinatra said to him, if you can have one song that people will ask you to play and sing for the rest of your life, you'll be a success. And and Sinatra apparently said to Lionel, and you've got 10 of them. So like you're set. It's the same idea. I think, I think you're right. You know, quality over quantity, whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, pasta. The world has um, made that decision for you, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, a, a couple of weeks after it launched, it was going viral. I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker put it on her Instagram, you know, and, and every week I'd wake up in the morning, every day I'd wake up in the morning and say, say I think it's going to calm down now. And then I'd come home and my wife would say, you know, SJP, put it on, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, you know, which was amazing. And after a few weeks of that, I at one point late in the night, evening, my kids had gone to sleep and I turned on my wife on the couch and I said, this is going to be my obituary, you know, like and, and I'm 45 years old. And I'm like, this is probably like, this is probably the peak. And it's a little bit bittersweet to have that realization at a relatively young age. On the other hand, I'm like, well, that's pretty good. Like guy invented a pasta shape. It's delicious. It makes people happy. My kids are proud of it. You know, there are worse things to be having your obituary headline. So I'll take Listen, it. Well, yeah. I think also in the obituary would be two uh, James Beard awards, my friend. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. For in, in the podcasting realm. So it's been uh you know, I mean, I feel like one of the uh, the OGs of podcasting, one of the OPs. I mean, we launched the Sporkful in 2010. So uh, it's like uh, sort of I'm sure that you feel the same way in your work. You know, you've, you're, you've been at, you've been cooking and running restaurants for a long time. It's like you um, I take pride in being one of the people who's been at it for a long time and kind of like grinding it out over a period of years. And, um, you know, it's always a challenge to try to be coming up with new ideas, finding new stories keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting, not just for the listeners, but for me and for the folks who've been working on the show for years. Well, we started this podcast back in November, so it's relatively new. As a guy who's been doing this for a long time, do you have any advice for us for uh, for our food podcast? I mean, you're talented guys. I think you're on the right track. I think it's the same as kind of anything. I mean, to, to me, I just like, as someone who came up through the audio world, I have had to combat a perception in media more broadly that audio is the easy type of media. I've worked with so many television people over the, over the, you know, going back to pre pre food podcast who walk into the studio and they think, Oh, well I'm entertaining on camera. This is like being on TV, but without cameras, therefore it must be easier. It's not easier. It's just different. Um, you know, like nobody told Shakespeare that writing plays was so easy because there were no pictures. You know, everyone under seems to understand that writing a great novel is difficult and making a great TV show or movie is difficult. Coming up with a great menu and running a great restaurant is difficult. So why is this the one the one form of expression that any idiot thinks they can do? Um, you know, I think you guys are both craft people and you take your work seriously. And so, like, I think as long as you're doing that, you're going to be making a great podcast and be successful with it, just like other things you've done. I would actually disagree. I think radio is much harder than doing TV, as I've done both of them. You only get one shot when the red light goes on in radio, but 
I'll go and host a TV show and they'll be like, ah, that wasn't great. Let's do it again. I get another chance. That's ridiculous. Right. And and I think I think with 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 TV is that like, yes, there obviously there's a there's great artistry in creating compelling visuals, but compelling visuals can also hide the lack of a great story or the lack of some other sort of deeper human element. And to me, at least in audio, like it's it's harder to hide when you don't have that. Um, and so like that sort of the, that connection you have, like the connection that you have with your audience, because it's a more intimate medium to me is like, that's why I love it. Yeah. And to be able to tell a great story and create the theater of the mind. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on our little podcast. It was a absolute pleasure to talk to a two-time James Beard award winner. Uh, yes. As of, uh, as of last year. Yeah. A guy who's invented his own type of pasta. He's got an amazing podcast out and apparently a best-selling cookbooks on the way. Dude, thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you if they are unfamiliar? So you can listen to the Sporkful podcast wherever you you get all your great podcasts. And um, you can get Cascatelli pasta uh, through Sfolini. It's S-F-O-G-L-I-N-I.com. You can get it shipped right to your door. It's also in many stores. And there's a gluten-free version made by Bonza that's in Whole Foods nationwide. So uh, I hope you'll check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Uh, Absolute pleasure getting to talk with you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. See you, bud. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Man, he gives uh, an old radio host like me some uh, some hope that I will make something with my life. Tyler. He's so good, you know? He's just so like talented and very like in a way that's in a very narrow lane but in a, in a way that feels incredibly interesting and compelling, right? Like yeah. I love people who are incredibly smart and thoughtful when it comes to great storytelling about food because you could literally walk through a grocery store and have the history of the world spelled out one aisle at a time and everything's fascinating there's history behind all of it and he's such a great storyteller yeah well that was a fun episode man uh can't wait for next week and everyone out there thanks for listening we'll see you guys later see you guys next week
All right, guys, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. <laughs> we'll take that. And we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.